Another little, uh, one, one little thing was kind of uh, neat this week is uh, we're talking a little bit about finances and, and, and that, and, and Atlanta says, hey, you know, somebody gave towards the roof, $10,000, and just hearing that, what a joy it is, and just to see that uh, a need that we had is just closing and, and we're able to accomplish that, just thank you so much as a church family for seeing that and responding to that, we appreciate it very much. Uh, one other item for you to be aware of, it has to do with our house churches. Um, as, you, uh, as you know, uh, we keep getting these great news uh, conferences and telling us what we can or cannot do. And, and uh, we want to let you know that our house churches are important. Um, and we know that because of uh, what they've asked us to do, it can make it difficult for you to meet as a house church. And we want to have the church open for you to come and to meet here as a house church. I talked with the elders yesterday, and if you are here, we consider that to be a, a worship time. And so you can gather your house church here. And we'll get information out to you, uh, out to your house church leaders, what that will look like. Um, and uh, how we can arrange that, but we do want to see you gather together during that time. So uh, this just a little bit of uh, where we're going and how we're trying to navigate where things are currently. Um, so how many were here last week? Don't be shy. Okay. Well, I'm glad you came back because I didn't know if you're going to come back. I hope that the absence of chairs is only because of maybe the weather or not because of... Uh, you know, last week I would tell you that um, I don't feel I did well, and uh, there was a struggle there, and um, I, I am so uh, for the Bride of Christ and the importance of the Bride of Christ and the opportunity and a privilege. It's not a right that I'm here to share, to speak. It is a privilege, and so when I don't feel that I do well, um, I, I feel like I'm not um, doing Christ, what, what I should be doing, and, uh, and the church. And so I apologize for that. But a little insight. Um, I, I don't know why the nerves kind of got to me last week, but they did. Uh, but also, um, there are a few things that are happening. One is, um, is that I had a lot of words up on a screen. And for me, uh, a lot of words on a screen and me trying to do something that's not natural uh, becomes actually very hard. So somewhere around the grade four time in my life, uh, it was discovered that I am dyslexic. And so um, something happens between what I read in my head and what you hear out of my lips. And so I put myself in a situation that uh, was a little awkward for me. So today, I've tried to strip things down and, uh, and just to be a little bit more me and uh, a little bit more relaxed, and to know that I'm amongst family and friends, and this is life, and it's okay, and we're not always perfect, um, and I appreciate that. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come together to worship you in so many different ways, in hospitality as we connect with one another, in the in the opportunity to worship in music or the word of God or the study of it. Lord, thank you for that privilege that we have here 
today. And may you continue to lead and guide us. And may you be our shalom. In Jesus' name, amen. So you ever have one of those bad days um, where you wake up and you go, I know it's going to be a bad day because. So I have a few uh, items here. You know it's going to be a bad day because when you wake up, your braces are locked together. <laughs> you know it's going to be a bad day because your twin sister forgot to tell, I wish you happy birthday. You know it's a bad day that, that when you do have your birthday, the birthday cake collapses because there are so many candles on it. You know it's going to be a bad day when you walk into work and your boss says, yeah, don't bother to take your coat off. Ooh. You know it's going to be a bad day when uh, you put both contact lenses in one eye. And finally, you know it's going to be a bad day when the bird singing outside your window is a buzzard. <laughs> you know, in all seriousness, though, I think we're living in a time where it is hard to know and live in peace. I think about the last uh, almost two years that we have been living in and the disruptions that we've had and the frustrations that we've had. It's been hard. I think back to this year. It's coming to an end. 2021 is coming to an end. But it's been a year filled with a heat dome. Uh, it's been a year filled with forest fires and the loss of communities and the loss of lives. It's been a year that has had floods and, again, a loss of communities and a loss of life. It has been anything but peaceful in 2021. Have you kind of felt that? Have you noticed that, um, that there's really nothing calming about watching the news? I mean, it feels, like, it feels like the news is being delivered on steroids. And it just ramps itself up as they give you a news item, and it just keeps building, building, building. And as, it, as they build in intensity, anxiety seems to creep up in our, in our lives. I go, to my, I go to my weather app, and I've got this red line across the top, weather warning. And I'm going, oh my goodness, what's going to happen now? I mean, peace does not seem to be around us. And yet, that's what we're given, is peace. Having conversations with people today is harder than it's ever been. Because if we even bring up the topic of COVID, we don't know if that person is yes, no, should I, shouldn't I, I'm with or I'm not, you should, you shouldn't. I mean, it's, isn't it hard to even have conversations today with people, with family? I'm finding that. And I'm longing for this sense of peace. But as followers of Christ, we have an opportunity not to be swept up in our culture of fear, of worry, and anxiety. Because Jesus is our Prince of Peace. As we've been going through Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we, we've got these wonderful titles, these wonderful names given to Jesus Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. Have you noticed that in those four names, we've kind of got this, this wonderful counselor here that talks about kind of here on earth, and we've got this Prince of Peace, which we're going to talk about, is kind of this right here on earth, and in between, sandwiched in between, is this, is this everlasting Father and Almighty God. Eternity, eternal. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And so today, I want to talk about this this title, this name given to Jesus, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And so we have two parts. We've got this part of prince. The part of prince. And, and when I look at the part of prince, and what is, it, what is it about prince? It's this royalty. Prince is royalty. In all its grandeur, in all its beauty, it's royal. I, I grew up in the States. Don't boo me, please. Um, I grew up in the States, and uh, royalty, kings, was only what you read of the, the medi medieval times. I didn't know there was Queen Elizabeth. Wow. Like, I didn't know that, that you would stand for hours to watch the queen come by. Like, that was, I came to Canada, that was, what? Are you kidding me? But that's royalty, is it not? But there's another part of the prince, and that's authority. It's authority, prince of peace. This is authority that comes. That's why in that part in, in Isaiah 9, it talks in there that the government will be upon his shoulders. Because it's not just a figurehead, not like we have our queens and kings and princes today, as we see them in England, but it actually, they actually have authority. And Jesus has authority as the prince. So it's, it's, this, it's this Jesus who rules with authority of peace. This royalty and authority of peace. And it's important for us to, to be able to understand shalom in this way. Because shalom comes to us with authority. Shalom comes to us with royalty. It's beyond any peace that you and I could experience here on earth. That's why Jesus says, I come to give you the gift of peace. This world in that verse says it can't offer you peace. This world cannot give us peace. Think for a moment. Just stop. This world cannot give us peace. There's nothing you can pursue in this world that's going to give you peace. Not shalom. Not the shalom that we're talking about here. Not the shalom that we're going to look at. Not that. Governments cannot sign a peace treaty that's really going to give us peace. Not shalom. It comes with authority. It comes with royalty. So let's look at shalom. Now I'm going to just kind of scratch the surface. I want to encourage you to listen to the dailies. Pastor Andrew, you're talking about peace in the dailies, right? Yep, 
And so uh, he's going to do a better deep dive with it than I am. But we're going to look at peace this morning because when we look at shalom, it is an interesting word, shalom. It actually, it actually the, the word peace in the Greek doesn't even come close to shalom in Hebrew. And it gives this picture, shalom is, is a complete and whole. It, it, picture a wall. Picture a wall completely around a fortress, and there is no holes in it. There are no gaps in it. It is totally complete. That is a picture of peace. We don't really fear too much, or we don't have the picture of a, of a city here where you have a wall completely around it. We don't feel that somebody's going to come and besiege us. But your wall, if you had a thick wall, if you had a big wall, if you had a, a wall that was complete, it would give you this shalom, this peace that you could be secure inside those walls. It refers to something complex with lots of pieces that are in a state of completeness. Timothy Keller likes to look at this shalom as a, as a cloth something woven together, all kinds of threads that are woven together, complete, crisscrossing, intertwined to bring this completeness, this tightness. You ever wonder why Nehemiah, when he went around the walls, he wept? He goes into Jerusalem, he hear, and he goes there, and he sees the walls all collapse, and he, he goes around, and he weeps. Why does he? Because he understood shalom the need for the presence of God and the surrounding of the peace of God, shalom. God created this world. And as he created this world, we read in Genesis 1.1 how this world was voidless and formless and void. And the Spirit of the Lord hovered over it. And then God began to create. He began to weave. He began to put together this creation. And when, and when we get to verse 31, what does God declare over his creation? It's very good. It's like he's making this declaration. It is complete. It is shalom. And honestly, our world today, the world itself, the creation itself is groaning for shalom. Isn't it? Our air is polluted. Our water is polluted. Our ground is polluted. It isn't what God created it to be. It longs for shalom. It longs for completeness. And so it affects us. The, the part of sin entering in the world affects our shalom. I, I, look at, I look at the young people that are in here, and man, I can remember those days. I actually can. Um, I, remember, I remember a time when I was five years old, and uh, my dad had taught me how to ride a mini bike. And, uh, and I felt I could ride this little motorcycle. I could do anything on this thing. 
And, and, uh, and I'd ride that, I'd ride that mini bike and <clears throat> my parents had built a house and they had a mound of dirt and I would take my mini bike and I'd ride that thing and I, and I'd go over that thing and I'd get a little bit of air on that mini bike and it was so good. And I kept practicing and I get a little bit more it was great. And then one day my grandfather came for a visit and my dad was so proud of me. And he says, son, he goes, why don't you show your grandfather how you can jump? Okay. I jumped on that thing. I put my helmet on. I'm, I'm five years old. I can remember it to this day. And I think I'm invincible and I want to make my dad proud. So I jumped on that mini bike and off I went. I had three gears. And I hit that mound of dirt. And I flew. And I remember being in the air going, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And the bike, and I hit. And the bike goes, and it falls over. And it falls over on the side of the gas, and the mini bike is just going. And I can remember as my dad and my grandfather run up to where I was, I remember two voices. I remember my grandfather saying, are you okay? Are you okay? And I remember my dad saying, shut the bike off, shut the bike off. You know, when you're young, we are invincible. Our bodies are growing. We don't have wrinkles and we have hair. As we get older, those mini bike jumps begin to come to fruition in our bodies. And we begin to ache and we begin to hurt. We don't bend down and get back up as easily. My father tells me that getting old is not for sissies. Maybe I understand him. What is it? I like what Timothy Keller says. He says in that that our bodies are losing shalom. They're losing shalom. But you know, the great part is, is that our spirits can be filled with shalom. Our bodies might be weeping away the perfectness of the woven, us being weaven, wove together, but our spirits are so much different. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, they broke this, this shalom. They hid from God. They hid from each other. From, from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22, it's all about God bringing back his shalom, his perfectness, his peace. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are told that we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Isn't that good? We are being transformed. We are being brought back in to this glory. And in it, there is this shalom. If you have your Bibles, because I'm not going to put it up there. If you have your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, bring your phones out um, and look at 
First, if you look at Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1 a beautiful poem about the supremacy of Christ. It's a beautiful poem. And he comes to verse 19. And this is what he says, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. If that isn't mind-blowing, we, we won't go and unpack that. But he says, and through him, reconciling everything to himself, he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on earth. He made shalom with everything. We are daily being transformed by the power of Christ, by the prince, the one who has royalty, authority, the prince of peace to bring us to shalom. So shalom is not, it's not the state of being. It's not, it's not the om. Okay, it's not that. It's not that. Shalom is what happens to us. It's what's given to us in Christ. It's not what you are going to obtain to. It's what he has obtained to. It's what he has done. And, and we live in it. And as we live in it, we give it out. Spiritually. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You see, we are called to bring shalom everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, we're to bring shalom. We're to bring the Prince of Peace with us. School, when we go to school, we're to bring shalom. When we go to work, we're to bring shalom. When we go and play, we bring shalom. When we eat, we bring shalom with us. We bring the Prince of Peace with us. I have a family member, and they come to work, and somebody said to them, oh, when you come, it's, it's like you it's so peaceful when you come. It's like you bring peace when you come. That's it. That's it. Look here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Here it talks about Christ himself brought peace to us. He brought peace to us. He brought this shown to us. And in there, it's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and the separation that was there. And he, and, and, and he is the peace. He brought peace that was the hostility was taken away. In a world that is confused, in a world with anxiety, in a world that is going, what is going to happen next? You and I, because of shalom, because of the Prince of Peace, can bring peace. Because he's brought peace to us. He's brought shalom. Verse 15, here he says he's made peace. Not only has he brought peace, he's made peace. It is complete. And in 2.17, it talks about the good news of peace. So let me ask you this. In the world that you live in, your school environment, your work environment, your neighborhood. 
how would you be characterized? Would people look at you and go, there's something about you. You bring peace. Or do they see you just as a stirrer-upper? They, would they characterize you as someone who gossips, someone who brings division, separation? Or is it peace? Pastor Skin, Pastor Skin, boy, where'd that come from? <clears throat> He's got a lot of skin up here. Pastor Ken and Kimberly are going to be moving from their community, their neighborhood. And I have a feeling that that neighborhood is feeling a loss. I know we are. And if you moved out of your community, would your community go, Whew, oh man, glad those people left. Or would they say, oh my goodness, oh man, what are we going to do without our community? All right, I got to wrap this up because I've been way too long. As a church, as a church community, how does our community, how does the Cowichan Valley see us as a community? Because if shalom is this interwoven, this, this tightly woven picture of a, of a wall that is complete without any holes, if shalom is this completeness within this complexity, are we interwoven in our community? If our building burnt down, would our community go, oh, what are those people going to do now? Or would the community go, oh, what are we going to do without that church? I hope it doesn't go away. How do they see us? Do they see us as, as bringing something into the community? Or do they see us that we're existing on our own? Because we were called to be part of this community. That's why when we look at Ephesians and he talks about the hostility being broken, we are called to bring shalom wherever we go. So, in a world in which right now we are struggling to live in shalom, how are we doing? How are you doing? Maybe you're struggling to allow shalom to rest in you. Maybe you're allowing your culture, our world, to be pushing that out instead of resting in it. So as we close today, I just want to, I want you just to sit and ponder and think and say, Lord, maybe I'm allowing the things of this world to dictate what I do how I look at it instead of you, instead of the Prince of Peace. And if you're struggling today with, with, with not having peace, shalom, I want to encourage you. Ken and I will be up here during our time as, at the end for you to come and to pray 
we would love to pray with you. If you are struggling with anxiety, with worry, with strife in your home, in your, in your community, in your family, in your friends, we want to pray with you. Let me close our time, this part, in prayer. I'm going to ask the, uh, the band to uh, come up. And um, yes, I'm changing things. Um, I'm going to close in prayer. They're going to play our last song. We don't have communion today, do we? We do. Oh. Okay. All right. We do have it. It's coming. So if you would like to take communion this morning, we invite you to come and do that. If you go, you know what, I would like to, but I am struggling this morning. I'm struggling with anxiety, with worry, with concern. Then we invite you to come and pray with us. Because that's what the family is all about. So Lord, today, you see the world in which we live in. There isn't a whole lot of peace. But Lord, Forgive us where we are trying to rely on the world, the governments, to bring peace. And not recognizing that, Jesus, you are our peace. Lord, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you that you will receive us where we're at today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.